It's always interesting to preach after something political has happened. And I don't mean those scandals and rumours and stories which end up in the media about our politicians more generally. I mean those moments in the life of our nations which impact all of us. One such moment happened on the 23rd of June in 2016, where Britain voted on whether or not to stay or leave the European Union. We voted to leave. That was on Thursday the 23rd, and this sermon was on Sunday the 26th. Yet I was determined not to preach politics. I'm not here to preach politics. I'm here to preach the gospel. Yet to acknowledge the reality in which all of us found ourselves, particularly given that it was something of a surprise result, certainly to very many in my area. Our reading was from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, and tells the story of Jesus and the miraculous catch of fish. But we'll get into that in just a moment. You are listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Path with your preacher Samuel S. Thorpe. On Thursday, our country braved the wind and the rain to head to the polls to vote on the European referendum. The polls closed at 10, and the country waited. It waited through the night as the different areas declared their votes. By breakfast time, it became clear that the result was a vote to leave the European Union. This is one of those moments where we know that we stand at the crest of history and the making. Whether we personally endorse the result or whether we voted to remain, it is clear that the voice of democracy has spoken in such a way that the political landscape has been fundamentally changed for a generation, overnight. We have all seen the heated discussions in the run-up to the referendum, in the papers, on the internet, in churches and at the pubs. There have also been campaign rallies and assemblies with crowds of people wanting to hear what the respective sides had to say, wanting to figure out what they thought of it all, and whether or not they would vote, and if so, how they would vote. In a way, this atmosphere of discussion and curiosity is very similar to the reaction of the people to Jesus in the Gospels. There are numerous occasions when we read that all the people came out of the towns and the cities to hear Jesus speak, and our passage today is one of those occasions. Jesus was by the lake of Gennesaret. He had been preaching throughout Judea at the synagogues and healing the sick, including Simon's mother-in-law. Today the crowd was gathered around him, listening to him as he spoke the word of God. Normally, when someone preaches or speaks on the street, it's possible for a small crowd of people to gather around to see and hear them. Yet today there were too many people. It's likely that people would have been peering at the backs of other people's heads and struggling to hear Jesus' voice faintly on the breeze. 
And so Jesus turns to Simon, a fisherman he was staying with, and asks him to put his boat out just off the shore, so that people could see and hear him. Then Jesus continued to preach the word of God to the crowd. This is such a fascinating thing for us to note. So often for us, preaching the word of God can almost be shorthand for declaring that Jesus has died on the cross for our sins, and that he rose again. The promise that all those who believe in his name will join him in the final resurrection, when the broken and hurting creation melts away to be replaced by the new creation, filled with the heavenly presence of God. This is the gospel which we believe, and which we confess in the creeds. Yet the gospel is more than just a story of what has been done for us, but is of a God who loves us and desires to communicate with us. That's why Jesus preached the word of God to the crowds, to prophesy God's continuing faithfulness to his people. Once Jesus had finished preaching, he turns to Simon and asks him to head out to deeper water and put the nets down for a catch. Now Simon was, as I said before, a fisherman. He knew that the fish wouldn't be out at that time of day. Yet because he'd seen his mother-in-law healed, because he'd seen and heard Jesus speaking to the crowd, there was something in him which prompted Simon to acquiesce. On the surface, it was a peculiar request, but he says that because the request came from Jesus, he would do it. Now we know what happens next. We know that there's a miraculous catch of fish, which was so overwhelming that the boat started to sink. But before we get there... Let's acknowledge this simple act of faith, because that's what it is, an act of faith. What makes this an act of faith? The belief that he would catch fish? I don't think so. I think that this is one of those moments where faith is found not in what we hope for or expect, but actually it is a response to God's will even if we do not understand that will, or actively believe that it's impossible. This is not an act of faith which results in a catch of fish. This is an act of faith which stems from trusting Jesus. Often when we tell this story to children in Sunday school, we stop with a miraculous catch of fish. However, the story does not stop there. In fact, the catch of fish isn't even the point of the story. The point of the story is Simon Peter's reaction. Simon Peter's reaction. I don't know if you noticed, but so far I've been calling him Simon. And that's because so far in the Gospel of Luke, he has always been called Simon. Just Simon, in fact. Then here, Luke describes the reaction of Simon Peter. Yet throughout the rest of Luke and Acts, he's referred to only as Peter. Now, I've spent some time reading through the commentaries, and I've not been able to get to the bottom of why this shift happens in Luke's writings. I'm not entirely sure as to why Simon becomes Peter, just as I'm unsure why Saul becomes Paul. However, what I am sure of is that Luke has written it this way intentionally, and that this moment where he is called Simon Peter is a turning point, a moment of great significance where everything changes for him. 
Simon Peter reacts by dropping to his knees and saying to Jesus, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. This was because he was astonished by the catch of fish. He knew the significance. It should not have happened. It doesn't happen. It's not luck. That would be even more incredulous than the reality. This is Jesus demonstrating his total authority over creation, an authority which belongs to God alone. The commentators are divided about whether or not the use of the word Lord here is simply a mark of respect, like saying Sir or Mr., or whether or not it actually refers to God, like it sometimes does in the Septuagint version of the Old Testament. However, it doesn't make much difference. Simon Peter's entire reaction from dropping to his knees to asking Jesus to go away because he is a sinful man strongly echoes the experience of the Israelites throughout the Old Testament when they encounter the presence of the Lord. In Exodus, the Israelites are so afraid of the presence of the Lord that they fear they may die because of the power of his holiness and of their sinfulness before him, so much so that they ask Moses to act as their representative and to stand in the presence of God alone on their behalf. It's interesting too that often people throughout scripture have a similar reaction when angels appear. Jesus says to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. And so Peter and those with him pulled up their boats from the shore, left everything and followed him. This moment on the boat changed everything for Simon Peter. As we here in Emmanuel worship this morning, in a country whose future is uncertain, it can be easy for us to be afraid, for us to be worried about what is going to happen. This morning, the Jesus who showed Simon Peter that he is the Lord of all creation reminds us that he is our Lord. As we come to take communion, we come as an act of faith, not believing and trusting that a particular set of circumstances will come to us and to our country, but rather as an act of trust in who Jesus is. This Jesus says to us, Do not be afraid. It was daunting for the disciples to leave everything behind, and through the rest of the Gospels we read of the difficulties they faced, of their despair and heartbreak when Jesus was crucified. It can be daunting for us as we walk forward as a country into the unknown, but we as Christians are to remember our own weaknesses and inadequacies, knowing, like the disciples, that our strength comes not from our own understanding and abilities, but from the power of a resurrection and the love of Christ for us. May the Spirit of the Living Lord be with us in two turning points. Firstly, may we have the wisdom to act wisely as a country following Thursday's referendum results. But secondly, and more importantly, may we, day by day, trust in Jesus personally as our Lord and Saviour, from this day on and into eternity. Amen. A brief comment to wrap up our sermon. I said that I didn't know why the name changed. 
and there's still many theories and discussions around the topic. But when I finished preaching this sermon, the curate who was in that church at Emmanuel came up to me and said that it's very common in many cultures for a change of name to signify a change in faith. It's not just the name that you have as a person, it's not just your identity as being this person or that person, but it's your identity before God. And that is why at baptism, many people on converting from another religion to Christianity often take on a new name, a Christian name, leaving behind the name that they were known by their old gods and taking up a name by which they are known to the Lord who died for them, that they might have life. I think that's quite cool.